Thank you for downloading Pastor Reza Safa's audio podcast from the Apple iTunes Store. Whether listening on your iPod, your tablet, or your computer at home, we pray these messages are a blessing to you and aid you in your spiritual walk with Christ. For more information on Pastor Reza's teachings and ministry, please visit www.rezasafa.com. Here's a big question. Now be careful you answer this. Here's a big question for the church. All of you who are watching on TV, I'm asking you also this question. Was Jesus' work sufficient for our redemption? It's a yes and no answer. Now, when you say yes, you've got to have backup on it. You've got to have Bible verses. Are you sure? How? See, the church doesn't know. Or do we have to work out our salvation? Huh? No. Why then? I hope you say yes to that first question. That Jesus' work was sufficient. If you don't believe that, then you're not saved. Very, very simple. But the question is, if Jesus' work was sufficient... Why then the church teaches that we don't have enough faith? That we must get more faith to see the more power of God. Why does the church teach us that we're not perfect yet? We must go through suffering in order to mature in God. Why does the church teaches or teach that in order for us to be blessed, we have to give? Oh, it's quiet now. They say we are poor, most preachers, charismatic especially. And they say God wants us to be rich, which is true. But then they say, in order for you to get it, you have to give. Press down. And. Why, if Jesus' work was sufficient, why do they say we have problem because we have curses in our families? Family curses. So in order for us to get rid of the family curses, we got to do four points. One, five points, and on and on. Why do they say the devil is a strong, and in order for us to overcome him, we have to do spiritual warfare? Didn't Jesus beat the devil? Amen. Apparently not. Don't you say amen, because the church is not saying that. The church is saying, Jesus didn't beat the devil. We got to get on a plane, go up there in the sky, and bind all those powers of the power of the air, and do spiritual warfare. Why do they say we must work out our salvation with trembling, they're quoting the scripture actually, and fear? Why do we need to go and get anointing from An evangelist. 
Wasn't Jesus anointing enough? We're not sure. Why? Jesus said, the Father loves you himself. But we say no. We can hear God by ourselves, just like the Israelites say. We need somebody to prophesy to us. Ephesians chapter 3. Are you all out here today? I'm telling you, I'm getting, my spirit is opening up so wide on these things. Some of the stuff I was hearing in my spirit last night, I said, Lord, I can preach that. They'll, they'll, they'll nail me. They'll crucify me. <laughs> we've, been, we've been practicing so much adultery, idolatry. No, actually, adultery. Adultery, I'm not talking about physical, but spiritual. We will look at it. That it's so, we are so deep into it, that it would be almost sin to preach the truth about this stuff. But I want to show you a few things here. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. He was writing this letter from a prison cell. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. You want to underline that word mystery. As I have briefly written already. By which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Which in other ages were not made known to the sons of men. As it has now been revealed by the Spirit to who? To his holy apostles and prophets. Now, that mystery, the revelation, it's already revealed. We don't get any more revelation beyond what is written. So don't be fooled thinking you know that you're getting stuff beyond the Bible. That's the devil talking to you. There's only one revelation and that's the scripture. But this thing, it's so full... That it takes revelation for us to understand. Amen. Amen. It says, known the sons of man, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partaker of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Of which I became a minister according to the gift not according to my working, not according to my revelation, but according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Now, it's a mystery. You, you really look at it, the past 2,000 years of the church, we didn't know anything about the grace till about 15th century. A man by the name of Luther got up and said, Hey, you Catholic church, you preaching false doctrines. When you say by works, you shall be saved. So, one of God's holy apostles got up and poked at one, one portion of this mystery 
and opened up for us the grace of God. The healing revival didn't really came till the 18th century by few of God's apostles and holy prophets. They got up and they said, wait, Alexander Dowie was one of them. He said, by his stripes we are healed. Dr. Osborne told me, he said, in the beginning when this healing movement came to America in the 1940s, 1950s, that was the revelation of the hour. By his stripes we are healed. And everyone run around with that one revelation. So you see, it's like a treasure box. And in this treasure box, in various time, God anoints various men to point and bring out various truths of this amazing mystery of amazing treasure that God has given us. And I believe, personally, that the church is weak today because... We lack the knowledge of our inheritance in Christ Jesus right now. Not the one to come, because that's not our concern. That's a blessed hope, and we hang on to that. But that's not today. Today is the day of salvation. God is an I am today. God is dealing with almost 7 billion people on the planet today. And today he's got to have a solution for them. And there is no other. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's not getting up. He's not moving. He's not doing anything about what's already been done. And the key is for the church to recognize what he has done for us. The new creation. Why don't we recognize this? Go over to the 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. It's a mystery. That's why we have teachers and preachers and pastors to teach us. To dig the, the word. God anointed these men to dig into the word, to give us. Again, these days, everyone who opens their mouth and teach you something, including myself, you need to get their words and compare it with the entire scripture. What they're saying does that match the full picture of the gospel? If you don't understand it, put it aside. There are things I don't understand about Kenny and what he says. I may not have my understanding full yet. I put it on the side till the day comes that I've got a better picture. And if by then it doesn't click, then I don't pay attention to it. Not everybody got the fullness of the truth. Again, God revealed it to prophets. Holy prophet and apostles, plural. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 2, look at what he says to Timothy. Be diligent to present yourself, verse 15, approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Is, does anybody got a King James here? Yeah. Can you read it out loud? Study to show yourself approved. In other words, see again, 80 to 90% of all what people say in the church today is somebody else's spitting it out. Disgracing the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to touch on it. 
But 2 Timothy, Paul says, you need to study to show yourself approved, to be able to divide, dividing the word of truth. In order to be rightfully dividing, and I'm going to give you a strong framework, which we're going to dwell on it for a while and study it. You have to divide the entire Bible, 70, what is it, 69 books? 66 books of the Bible, 27 and 36 of the Bible, into two segments, into two sections. We have to be able to divide it, the scripture, in the light of two covenants. If you do not do that, then you will mess up. We have to divide it. So like in my notes, I've divided the pages, Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant was based upon the law. The New Covenant is based upon faith. The condition of the Old Covenant, and these are, these are so important for you to write them down, and, and I don't see anybody writing them, but that's okay. You're going to buy the tape afterwards, I guess. Which is better for us. So don't write them, but buy the tape, please. <laughs> the condition of the Old Testament was based upon obedience. The condition of the New Testament is based upon faith. The key word in the Old Testament is if. Every law, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you are willing and obedient. I've heard many preachers quote that scripture, including myself, for the New Testament. If it has an if in front of the commandment, then it's belongs to the old covenant. It's conditioned. The key word in the New Testament is when. When. Not if, but when. The Old Testament was based upon unfinished works of priesthood. Continuously burning, continuously sacrificing, continuously feasting, continuously doing the work. It was endless. It was unfinished. The New Testament, listen, very key. It's based upon the finished, finished, finished work. Not works, work of Jesus. It's finished work. Jesus sat down. It's a done deal. We can add any to, anything to it. We've been subtracting. But you can add anything to what he's already done. It's finished. The Old Testament was based. God's dealing was towards community. With one group of people. Israel. God's dealing. Entire dealing with the Old Testament. Was with the Jews. And God didn't deal with them individually. But as a community. Because they were not born again. You all remember. An example of it is. The book of Joshua. When they came to the city of Ai, and God says, don't touch anything that you, that you of the city that all belongs to the Lord. It's the first fruit. Don't touch it. Well, one of those soldiers took some of that stuff and kept it for himself. What did God do? 
God did with the whole army of Israel. God didn't deal with that individual, but God did with the whole thing of When David sinned and numbered Israel, God didn't just deal with David, but what did he do? He dealt with the whole Israel. Twenty some thousand of them died just because David sinned. So in the Old Testament, it was based upon a nation. God's dealing was with a nation, a group of people, the Jews. In the New Testament, God's dealing is with the individuals. Brand, born again individuals. Because you become a member of God's household. You earn a position that nobody in the Old Testament, nobody, not Elijah, not Elisha, not Moses, not even Enoch could earn that position you have earned in the new covenant as a child of God. You remember what Jesus said about John the Baptist. He said, in all the kingdom, John has been the greatest of all the prophets. Yet, the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because the least is born of God. A child of God have become a member of God's household family. So if you sin in this church, God is not going to punish us all. He is going to deal with you individually. And really, he does, he's not going to punish you. We'll teach about that later. So it's, it's God. God doesn't deal with all of us. But God deals individually. That's why each one of us have the Holy Spirit. You 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 have the Holy Each of you have the third person of divinity inside of you, abides in you. So God is dealing with us in the New Testament individually. The Old Testament dealing, God was with one group of people, the Jews. God didn't have any contract with Russia, East America. God doesn't have a thing. Uh, I'm getting a better understanding of our condition politically in America. I think, see, wrong teaching produces wrong thinking and wrong thinking produces a wrong action. Most of the action are, and I'm, and I'm going to be careful with this because that's a holy cow. I can't touch it. But some of the stuff that I see that the politically right movement is doing, it's not biblical. We cannot demand the people in America, unregenerated people, to abide by the Ten Commandments. First of all, Ten Commandments was only for the Jews. Nobody else. Ten Commandment was not for the whole world because God didn't have any dealing with any nations of the people. Now, if they took those commandments and abide by it, great. But God didn't demand it from them. God demanded it. Why? He was in covenant with the Jewish people, with the Jewish race, with Israel as a whole nation. And they were bound by the law. They had to keep the law. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, the person who is unregenerated... A carnal mind cannot be subject to the law of God. Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at it later. 
So you can go and put a Ten Commandment in the court of America and believe they will obey it. Are you kidding me? Those people have no spirit in them to obey any law. Period. That's right. They're lawless people. And you go spend millions of dollars of Christian church money to establish a law. Number one, God doesn't require it from there. Number two, they cannot follow it. But the church is not obeying the commandment, preaching the gospel to the nations. And so we go around the bush of the gospel and try to enforce the law of the gospel upon the people that have no whatsoever understanding of the law of God. So confusion. So we're a bunch of uh, hicks to the eyes of the world. The church is a bunch of uh, fanatical, radical, crazy people. It's like a kid that is just starting the first grade. You tell him, let me tell you about Einstein's theory on, grab, on, on, on relativity. What? You might as well say, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Humpy Dumpy walked on the wall. Or I don't know what else you can say. You might as well sing whatever you want to. That's foolishness. I have to give these guys something to work for the next time. Now, the Old Testament, the privileges was servanthood. That was the best thing they get out of their deal with God. Servanthood. The New Testament, it's sonship. Two massive differences. So massive that there is no comparison whatsoever with it. Now, we have to understand dividing the word of truth. When you look at the four Gospels and the New Testament, you've got to understand how this is formed. A key word, a key scripture. Galatians chapter 4. We looked at this last week, but we need to keep uh, looking at this again to understand so that we understand where we are. Galatians chapter 4. Dividing the word of truth. It says in verse 4. But when the fullness of the time had come. God sent forth his son. Born of a woman. Born under the law. Jesus was born what? Under the law. That means the era of Jesus. The time Jesus was in. Was a still Old Testament. That's, that's so key. That, that's so vital for our dividing of the word of truth. To understand the stuff that Jesus said. Most of what Jesus said. He was talking to the Jewish people that were under the law. He couldn't tell them otherwise. If he told them otherwise to his disciples. He was prophesying about the future. And we're going to look at it. So Jesus was born under the law. Go over to the book of uh, uh, Hebrews, if you would. Book of Hebrews, chapter 9. Here is, a, here is a yet more important word on that subject for us to understand. Dividing the word of truth. Hebrews, chapter 9, it says, in verse 15. It says, and for this reason, he, Jesus... Is the mediator of the new covenant 
by means of by means of stop right there thank you for tuning in be sure to tune in next week for a new audio download of the day of salvation audio podcast for more information on pastor Reza's teachings and ministry please visit www.rezasafa.com